You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 219, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this episode of Look at My Records, I chatted with Winnipeg-based songwriter Dylan MacDonald, who performs as Field Guide. In late October, Field Guide released their self-titled second full length, which expands on the flush and warm folk guitar textures heard on his prior releases, and further builds off of his deeply personal lyrical themes. In addition to diving into the process of recording the record, which included intimate sessions in a cabin in rural Manitoba, Dylan and I also discussed the inspiration behind Field Guide's decision to cover Coldplay's parachutes in its entirety, the current state of the Winnipeg music scene, the project's plans for 2023, and much more. Plus, Dylan picked some awesome records from my collection, including choice cuts from Andy Schaff, Michael Rawl, The War on Drugs, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with Dylan McDonald, known as Field Guide, great Winnipeg-based musician. You just released your second full-length. It's a great self-titled album. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the pod. Oh, my pleasure. It's a great record. How's it feel to, you know, put this out? It feels good. Yeah, it's, um, I feel like I turned it around pretty quickly and was able to get it out, relatively speaking, quickly. But even in that sense, it's still, I guess, about almost exactly a year since I started recording it. So it feels like a bit of a long time coming. But yeah, it just feels good to get it out. Cool. Congratulations again. And I'm really excited to dive into the record, the unique recording process, some of the songs on the record. But before we get into that, let's just talk about your background a little bit. You're back in Winnipeg. I know you're in Toronto for a little bit. So just tell us a little bit about your journey, I guess, the last few years as far as where you were making music, where you were doing music, and you know how you wound up back in Winnipeg now. Sure, yeah. Um, well, I started this project, I guess, in about 2018, and then um, about under a year of um, doing it, I decided to move to Toronto. My roommate at the time and I kind of moved there together and got like a little apartment uh, in the West End, and move there with with the intention to to do it pretty full on uh at least for you know a good handful of years um and was just there for about yeah six months before the pandemic hit and stayed there for a year into it and then eventually just kind of it didn't make sense um to be there um paying so much money for a tiny little spot so it kind of drove me back home and i made a record that summer 
back here with a bunch of pals. And yeah, I've just been here since then, which has been really great. Been kind of like moving around a little bit, like to spend time in kind of different cities and be a little bit of a nomad. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I love it here. I, I did kind of accomplish um, sort of one of the goals of moving to Toronto, which was I made a bunch of kind of uh, musician and artist friends cool. there, which, yeah, we still kind of back and forth, which is cool. It's kind of nice to expand the community and um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there as well as, well as here. So it's been kind of cool to cross pollinate a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about the music scene in Manitoba. I know people around here in New York City I'm a big fan of the band Living Hour. I know they're signed oh, nice. to Canine Records, which is a label based here in New York City. I also remember meeting a guy named Lev Snow at the new Colossus mm. Festival here in New York City a, a few years ago, and I kept up with him and, and his music as well. So it seems like Winnipeg has a really cool scene and then also learning about you and your music as well. What's a music scene like in Manitoba and how has it influenced you as an artist? Yeah, um, it's a cool place. It's, you know, like any scene, it, it definitely ebbs and flows. And I think like when I was, I'm from a couple hours out of the city. So I moved here, I guess, five, six years ago or something, um, maybe a bit more, or a bit longer, but um, there was a really hot, like, um, scene of just, like, players. Like, a lot of people, you know, working as hired guns for bands and stuff like that. And then it seems like in the last few years, it's really shifted over to just tons of songwriters and tons of bands and stuff like that. And kind of all over the map, like, uh, the Living Hour folks, super nice people, really cool band. And they're, like, um, a couple of them... Gil and Solly are a promoter in town too so that's been really cool as they like they've got really cool taste and so they program a little festival here and bring in a lot of like smaller indie acts that like really have no <laughs> business stopping in Winnipeg normally so I think that's been like a really cool injection to the scene um, and you have that sort of world and then yeah I don't know there's a bunch of um, like the we have like a really strong sort of like roots and like country scene too. like not not really like pop country, but like people making more like trad style country or and stuff like that, which is neat. And like a lot of really hot pickers in town, nice. um, which is cool. And like something. Yeah, I definitely like learned a lot from um, growing up. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's like, you know, it's Winnipeg's about a million people. And, yeah. and it's like there's really not there's not much near it so it's like um it's a you know decently sized city but it's small enough that like yeah i know lev i know living hour like everyone it's it's you know once in a while i've been finding even this summer like oh wow there's like this pocket of people i actually don't know which is kind of exciting actually but um yeah i, I feel like it's a pretty supportive scene and it seems like there's something kind of special going on right now yeah absolutely it's always cool to hear new artists from winnipeg and it seems like the bands and artists there are doing really great things right now so it must be cool to be a part of it that's cool that's cool that it's that it's spreading yeah yeah it feels feels like something cool is happening totally 
And before you started doing solo work as field guide, you, you played in bands before. It seems like only within the last few years you've turned your focus onto putting together uh, solo material that's solely your own. What was that transition like for you? And, you know, prior to that, did you kind of experiment with your own songs, writing things on the side, or is this really something that has been the last few years solely? Yeah, I um, I was in a band since like mid high school um, with two, uh, yeah, two pals. And we did like a ton of DIY touring together and like, um, recorded a bunch of music and demoed and I definitely like cut my teeth learning about that and we pretty much co-wrote everything um and it was a really good experience and all, all of us now do solo uh, projects that are like maybe some of the furthest <laughs> like furthest different kinds of music from each other possible which is sort of funny and kind of I think in hindsight speaks to the fact that our our band was interesting and like had some really cool elements to it um but the the writing styles didn't really fit um so when that kind of came to a close um yeah i've I've been kind of like messing around like you know demoing some stuff in in logic and um writing a little bit but then i kind of um i actually i i sort of i was thinking about this the other day i had like this kind of clear memory of um I was playing. I was playing this little festival in Manitoba, and I heard this guy play songs. I don't know if he's from the New York area. Have you ever heard of Taylor Ashton? Yes, I have. I know that guy. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. He well, he used to live here, um, but I heard him play some songs, and we were just kind of sitting around, and he was playing songs on acoustic guitar, and I, I kind of just like realized that I was that that was I was super inspired by it, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. Um, and so I found myself um, just writing a bunch, and then I sort of have found out through a mutual friend of ours too that Taylor was sort of infamous for these like song clubs. Um, oh yeah, with, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, we um, we started one. I think actually Taylor was in it for for a little while, um, and yeah. So I just started kind of like being forced to to pump out these songs on my own. Um, which kind of started it all. What What would you say attracted you to that? In listening to your music, your songs are very personal, intimate, seem to really expound on personal experiences. Was it kind of the, you know, that intimacy that you witnessed someone or vulnerability that you saw someone, you know, do, you know, doing in a live setting that attracted you to it? I think it was. I think it was also... Um, like f- from co-writing so much, um, that being kind of the, the default, which, um, it was, it kind of felt like this superpower to, um, just be able to say, write lyrics that were true, even yeah. if they weren't necessarily <laughs> clever or anything. It was just, and, and then not having to somehow make them more generally relatable with other people yeah. or make them represent multiple people's experience or something. Yeah, totally. Something that you mentioned uh, just about a minute ago was you did a lot of DIY touring with a band that you previously played in. I'm curious about what the experience of DIY touring is like in 
Canada because, you know, cities, especially in the Midwest and out West of Canada, at least bigger cities are so far apart compared to, for instance, you know, people listening to this are probably mostly based on the East Coast of the United States where cities are way closer together. So what is, what's that like? And I mean, I'm sure you developed a lot of skills from doing DIY touring in Canada in an area that's so spread out. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we played a lot of like, frankly, mostly Western Canada, which is funny because there really aren't that many markets to play. But um, we just kind of, especially in like Alberta and a little bit in BC, there's so many, um, I guess, I guess in Alberta, especially like, you know, when, <laughs> when oil is selling well, even in these sort of small and mid-sized towns, yeah. you can get a Tuesday gig for 800 bucks. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, you know, uh, n- not all the time, but, you know, not enough to kind of like, um, I don't know. We, we were somehow like touring and, and coming back with money, like even though, um, yeah, I don't know, for some reason. So it, and also just finding kind of like fun. We had like a gig that we'd play every year where we would play like on a ski, a ski hill and just like ski all week. And um, so it was sort of a funny style of touring, but. Yeah, that's really cool. So did is is part of it like playing these smaller towns and cities? You know, I, I could think of a couple that come to my head. I know that, you know, like Red Deer, like Swift Current or mm-hmm. like different towns in totally. in Alberta. Is that kind of part of the, the circuit of DIY touring towns like that in uh, Alberta or British Columbia and uh, Manitoba? Absolutely. Yeah. And and as funny as it sounds, I call those like the mid-level. T- there's even, um, you know, the like 5,000, 7,000 person towns that for some reason have you know, well, there was this one place in Twin Butte, um, Alberta that has, it's the venue's called the general store. It's literally just the general store <laughs> in town, cool. but somehow they can pay you $800 and make you an amazing Mexican breakfast. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's really cool. It's cool to hear about a different experience touring like that. And those sound like they're probably very unique memorable gigs for sure yeah i wouldn't trade it for the world that's cool before we get into the record in 2021 you covered Coldplay's parachutes in its entirety and it's it's really well done i really enjoyed listening to it and i'm curious why you decided to cover the entire record instead of maybe just a song or two and what does that album mean to you and how do you approach recording the covers to kind of give it your own imprint uh yeah um well originally it was supposed to be just a show actually in toronto i had like a a date booked at a bar in toronto and then yeah obviously things got weird and (laughs) then it was just i was kind of looking (laughs) i was looking for stuff to do basically and yeah so yeah, just decided to kind of to record it. So many people around Winnipeg have a lot, and myself included, have like pretty decent DIY recording setups and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we we went and I, I didn't have totally a clear plan at first, which resulted in doing I think two days of recording and then scrapping everything. We're just like, this oh, just damn, sounds yeah. like t- sort of the record, but worse. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, and then and then eventually, like um, I think the following week, we got together and just the kind of thing was like, okay, I learned all the songs, and I'm just gonna bring them in, um, and play them exact like they're my songs, and get everyone to play on them. And there's we definitely like quoted some different guitar parts and stuff, um, hooks from the yeah. original record, but just tried to make it more of a feel guide record. Um, it was a really cool, fun project. Yeah, because that's so important, I think, when doing a cover, any kind of cover, covering a whole record is to kind of give it, not just recycle what the original artist did, but give it your own take on it, essentially. So was what what was that totally. like? What, what was the mindset as far as how you wanted to approach that? Well, we did most of it live off the floor. Yeah. Um, which, which was cool. And, and, and I guess we made some, like, wanted to make some concerted changes to, like, um, we made a couple, like, time signature changes. And, um, and, and I guess in general, the whole record is, like, it feels smaller. You know, it feels more bedroomy than, than the big, I guess it's not really stadium Coldplay yet, but it's, you know, big rock band thing. Um. So I guess those were like a few of the like major things. And I'm curious as to, I know this record definitely still resonates with you. And in thinking about my youth too, I remember really liking this record. But, you know, during that time when you're young and growing up, you're probably exposed to a lot of different records and some kind of, you know, stay in your past and don't really stick with you. Others have a lasting impact that you continue you know, generally to, to revisit and maybe still continue to influence you to this day. Why did this record in particular uh, mean so much to you and why do you think it still has a lasting impact on you? I think that um, this record and sort of Coldplay in general was one of the first bands that I sort of found on my own. Um, my Around like my household um, was a lot of like 90s country and like the Eagles, um, things like that. And um, I, I still still like some of that stuff too. But this was sort of I, I, sort of my first like, yeah, I guess like as funny as it sounds for it into like non kind of rootsy country Americana type stuff and it was such a like um i think i was so enthralled with the melodies too yeah. you know like I, I think i still am you know it's just like i learned a lot of even just like small tidbits of like wow oh this chord like this accidental chord or whatever you might call it and um and and i think that also mixed with um the falsetto thing which i which i use a lot in my own music um uh, yeah, I think it feels significant in that way. Totally. So now let's turn our focus to the new record. Um, the recording process was really interesting to me because you tracked the guitars and vocals, you know, in a cabin uh, in rural Manitoba. So just just describe to us the experience of recording in that setting. And was that first time? Was that the first time you kind of recorded? something in kind of a isolated rural setting like that um 
So my friend Chris and I, who we've, he's been a part of every record I've done. And we, the, the year before, actually, we had gone up, up to my folks' little cabin there and we demoed some songs, recorded a, a little bit of his record. Um, but this was the first time it was sort of like, okay, we're going up here to really get a bunch of stuff done. Um, and I get the year, the year before we'd, we'd sort of accidentally discovered just that the cabin really sounded weirdly good. I think just because it's like wood everywhere and big, you know, chunky old couches and, and just sort of like accidental, really good soundproofing. Um, but it was, it, it was really, it was interesting. It was like, it was kind of a nice meld because I do, I love recording at home and I've enjoyed that part of my records, which I've kind of always done some studio, some at home stuff, but it was nice to like leave town, go to this place that uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes just at home, like going over to a palace place or someone coming over it, it feels, I don't know, it's just easier to get distracted or something yeah, like that, you know? Yeah. yeah so that was cool. Yeah. And I, because this is it's it's interesting because this is something that I think comes up with different artists recording, you know, separated from your regular surroundings is definitely something that can be really helpful and allow you to focus and also kind of affect the sound of the record. Do you think it had any kind of impact like that? I, I definitely think so. You know, even just that, like, um there was sort of different periods of the day, you know, we had our, like our, our morning recording and then sort of our like afternoon smoking a few spliffs, maybe having a whiskey <laughs> <Nice>. and then, <laughs> yeah. And then our evening, like dinner, a few more whiskeys, few more spliffs and, you know, really, you know, so it's sort of almost like, okay, what are we doing at this time of day? And, and, and there's just nothing else to do. So we went longer. So absolutely. What's that relationship like with your friend Chris because it it is cool to have you know just one other person there who I'm assuming you really trust to to have you know with you while you're recording you know there what, what's that like what's that kind of is it a collaborative relationship is it kind of like someone you can bounce feedback or get feedback from in the moment yeah it's it's really special and it's like grown and and deepened over time for sure um chris chris is just like has a has a crazy work ethic first of all so he'll just like go 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 which is which is awesome and i think we've just like we've um developed a really good rapport of um he i think really knows when to be like when when to you know push the like no that's like we got we got it or like yeah. the you know or, or to be like eh, actually you know you, you could probably do one more this, you know on a basic level that kind of thing um and just i think like a really good level of like he you know his ideas and thoughts are all, all over all the records and stuff but it's like a real to me a real perfect level of like allowing me I think because he's he's a much better engineer than me and works so fast he's but still able to like give me lots of space to like 
find my ideas and and he's not like, well, we could do this or this or this or that, you know. But if if I'm like, ah, actually, what should we do? Then bam, he has an idea. Um, so yeah, I really really value that. Yeah, that's really essential. It, it seems. Tell me about how this record. You know, hearing how it was, the vocals and guitars were tracked, you'd expect to hear like a very, you know, sparse sounding record. Of course, you took it out of that setting uh, to Montreal and Vancouver to, you know, add finishing touches and uh, collaborate with others. Um, so just tell me about how you kind of rounded out the sound of the record, because it does have, at you know, at times it's really nice, dense and warm feeling to it. Cool. Um, yeah, I kind of, I guess, like sort of cherry picked some of my favorite people and, and places in it. Um, I've been I've been wanting to go to the studio break class in Montreal for a long time um, because uh, some of my favorite records were recorded there. Um, this guy, Leif Volobeck, who I'm a huge fan of, has done some records there. Um, and so I worked with uh, this guy Olivier Fairfield, who's played on a bunch of those records, and we've actually worked together before on my first little EP. Um, so I, I just kind of had wanted to to try that for a long time. So yeah, we we went there and, um, yeah, basically just track. I played bass and he played drums, and we just basically played along with all the acoustic things I'd done so far, which was was really cool and it I it was kind of cool just to have listened to the sound of that room for so many years in those records and then kind of hear it on my record was really neat um and then yeah and then I went back to Manitoba I went to the cabin again just by myself and kind of like um sort of ran around madly just trying this trying that trying this trying that um added a bunch and then yeah and then wound up in in, in Vancouver and kind of um, at this studio that I've worked a lot at and they just have sort of like, I almost didn't go there. I almost kind of like called it finished or whatever, but I um, was playing a few shows and booked like a couple extra days and, and then sort of realized like, oh, right, like I love this Selena Strings machine and I love this um, Moog that they have. or I, I can't, So it kind of, I was really happy that I did end up kind of doing that in the end. Yeah, what were some of the specific things that you added kind of in that last phase uh, on songs? Um, yeah, so Selena Strings, they had this really cool Korg string machine. Um, we used like a B3 through um, through some, some pedals. Um, what else did we do? I think a little bit of Wurlitzer, Mo a fair bit of Moog actually, and... We, I originally, like, I think originally I was thinking, it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say it at, at this point, but I was thinking I was going to retrack a bunch of the vocals. Um, and I think we spent, a, you know, about half a day doing it and then just being like, why, these are so lifeless. Because all the vocals were done as scratch vocals, just once through or maybe twice through kind of thing. Um, but it just, it was like... I just kind of realized that that was not, that wasn't the thing to do. I really like the vocals on the record, and I noticed that they do sound different, kind of compared to your your last few releases. And I was wondering what intention you you brought to that. So you really wanted to capture that kind of 
you know, scratch track vocal, like intimate intimacy to it. Totally. Yeah. I think most of them were done on like a dynamic, um, a dynamic mic like this electro voice 635A, I think it's called, and which Chris had. And I ended up buying one because it's $100, <laughs> which was awesome. So that's just like a similar to like a sure vocal mic that you would use at a totally. gig. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Super, super basic. But yeah, kind of opened my eyes to that because I, you know, it feels so good to sing on like a big condenser mic and whatever, but it was. Yeah, it was kind of enlightening. Now I've, I haven't brought out a condenser mic in a long time. Just kind of, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, because I feel like the the way the vocals sound kind of capture, you know, there's a little more darkness on this record. I feel like, and the vocals really suit that. That's cool to hear. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel that way too. Yeah. I know you described the songs on the record as dark and hopeful and have helped you to figure some things out. So I was curious of what have you learned about yourself, both personally and as an artist after writing and recording this record? Hmm. I mean, I think I'm, I really went into the depths of like, just kind of like pouring things out into the songs. And, and it, it really was a lot of them were really written in like, some of the depths of the pandemic and like, um, which, you know, coincided with some, some sort of dark times for me as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm finding that process is sort of changing for me a little bit now, which, which is cool. I'm kind of, I mean, I guess partly just because I'm feeling better, which is nice. Um, but I think I just kind of like pushed sort of to the max, like that style of writing um, and I feel feel really proud of it, although like happy to kind of like move past it now. Yeah, because that's something else that I, you know, in reading prior interviews, reading the press release for this, listening to prior music you've released, you, you said that these songs are the rawest songs you've ever written. And how do you think you were able to get to that point? Because you can hear you being vulnerable on the record and very raw. How do you think you're able to get to that point? Uh where you were able to be that vulnerable, maybe compared with prior songs you've written and released. I, I guess just sort of like living in that writing style for for a few years and then and then yeah, frankly, kind of just being feeling a bit more raw, you know, and um, having all this time to swim in some of, you know, these emotions and having probably more time than is healthy to live in some of that stuff and yeah i'm i'm interested to hear on your your take on a specific song where i feel like you kind of dive into that cracked open uh kind of about mm. being hurt but also open and exposing yourself to someone else who's also kind of suffering maybe something similar tell us a little bit about that track uh yeah totally i mean that yeah that one is actually kind of a good example of it because it was um that one is actually it's a voice memo the the vocal and guitar and um and it's just at, at my kitchen table and you know i maybe played it a few times but that was pretty much the first time it was ever played all the way down and and i guess i think part of it is, is just i i think i wrote a lot of these songs sort of as it kind of goes, <laughs> like not thinking that I would necessarily put them on a record or anything. And so I think that was part of 
part of the like created some ease to like you know it felt like more yeah. of a, a journaling than anything the other song that i'm really interested in hearing your take on is the last song tupperware it's a reimagined version of a song that you originally released in 2021 and they're very different sounding songs to the point where you know i saw on the track list you have reimagined so i was assumed okay i think you released this song before and then i went to listen to the other song and at first i kind of couldn't really tell that they were the same the same song <laughs> so though it's really interesting to see you know you take take a song and you know reimagine it in a completely different way so i, I was wondering why you kind of wanted to really redo this song in a you know a very different way and does the song have new meaning to you now mm. yeah i think it was a combination of things like um I had sort of, I had that song for a long time and I I kind of think put myself into a bit of a corner think like really wanting to get it right. And so that when I recorded the original, I was sort of like, ah, this isn't quite right. And who knows what that even means because yeah. I just, I think, held on to it so long. But, um, and I, I had the desire to, to have Olivier play drums on it because I just was hearing his groove on it. And that sort of coincided with like working pretty fast in Montreal and having this extra day at the end. And then, so I was kind of just like looking for things to do because um, I think Olivier even was like, hey, like I can, you know, we can just call it three days and I can head her home. But I was just having such a fun time tracking yeah. that I was like, okay, well, let's. Um, and then actually Leaf dropped by the studio um, to just hear some stuff and whatnot. So I, I was like, do you want to play bass on something? And um, so we, so originally I was like picturing it m more kind of close to the the original, but just sort of with a different feel and what, but it just, we kind of got in there and just started jamming for lack of a better word. And Leaf was playing this funky bass line thing and and also because we were we were it was all live and super tight like it i kind of like it it lent itself to everyone playing like really quiet so we didn't get too much bleed and stuff and it just it, i don't know it just sort of happened and it was kind of like i was just enjoying myself and didn't really have any expectation on it so we just finished the song or we got we finished that take and it was kind of like I guess that's something. <laughs> and uh, and then when I took it home and like sort of added guitars and, and pedal steel and things on it, then it, it uh, yeah, it, it, it uh, I think it kind of just like pushed my, um, pushed me on like what a song is or can be, you know, like I think because of recording so much like, pretty DIY and on like a, a real budget and like I don't have a band it's made a lot of my previous music like quite arranged at times and like um not as much like room to breathe or things like that just because it's I've, I've felt like okay am I going in the studio and like you know we have this much time to get so it, it, it kind of in a way for me is just like a documentation of um being pushed or like learning um, what, how a song can take shape, if that makes sense. Totally, totally.
another thing I wanted to ask you about was I read in a previous interview that you said you mostly write love songs. And I feel like kind of the love songs that you write kind of changed. There's to me at first, I was like, these don't totally seem like love songs, but it kind of seems like more like an expanded definition of what a love song is now. You know, these are more somber and reflective. Um, and, you know, I, I still feel like in nearly every song, it seems like you're definitely singing about yourself in relation to someone else, you know, whether romantically or not. Why do you think your songwriting kind of took this kind of more somber and reflective uh, turn? In town. I guess probably just because of all of the like the amount of like looking inward and stuff through you know through the last couple of years and whatnot and just again I feel I feel happy to be kind of coming coming out of that at least the intensity of that a little bit but um, um it's funny to think about because I haven't thought about it for a while just because you know things have been it's been a little bit more like normal life lately but um yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, I think the majority of people just ended up doing some catching up on some like inner work and things like that. Um, and the songs ended up being a bit of a a place to log things or just like log some feelings. And um, some sometimes a easier way to do it. I I got into the to the routine of I hadn't I was never really a journaler but I started doing that um pretty religiously in the pandemic and but it um yeah the song sometimes just felt like a easier way of doing that or doing doing it in a way that if I didn't really know what to write I could sort of like let it come out of me into the songs yeah I really love the song you could be free I feel like that's a particularly reflective and you know inward analysis type of songs in cool. relation to someone else tell us a little bit about that that track cool yeah that one um yeah that one is one of the first songs i've like written on electric guitar for this project which is kind of which was kind of funny and um like yeah ended up you know it's sort of doing a sort of finger picked thing um and it's very like um to me i look at it as a very uh, what's the word like symmetrical yeah. or something like the it's like the same so um, there's something I think about that that um, kind of f with that format forced me to like sort of like find these words words just sort of like beaming down uh, in a specific way just because they had to fit that sort of format but um, and I don't know it's it's like it's pretty simple, I think, lyrically, and I'm I'm proud of it. I think it, um, yeah, encapsulates what I was trying trying to say. But it just sort of felt like, okay, these words are like simple and are how I feel and like fit the amount of syllables. <laughs> yeah, is there a song on this record that you're most fond of or you know proud of in particular? I think I'm most proud of um, "You Carry Me," um, which was one of the few ones that we actually it was it was another sort of like extra last day song Montreal. That one is actually fully live off the floor. Or there's a few overdubs, but like the vocal, guitar, and drums were all done together. Um, yeah, I think I'm most proud of that one. Cool. And how do you see yourself, you know, translating these songs into the the live setting for upcoming live gigs? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like 
curious to see how I've been doing a lot of like solo like a lot of like opening for other bands and stuff and just some solo touring which has been has been cool and like has been really easy uh I did like a band show the other day and and it's coming together it's like I have a lot of band touring in the next year so I have kind of a lot of um a lot of figuring out to do exactly how that's gonna look but I think um I think something I've kind of learned with like all like all eras of like the different records I've made and stuff is that um it's just kind of like understanding what parts are key but that it's more about me playing and singing the song so like it's um it doesn't have to be like the band recreating exactly the record or anything yeah. it can be kind of a little bit more free I think when I lay into that and and get away from like being like oh what about that synth line or something then it's like it it goes better All right so now we're going to play four tracks from Field Guides brand new record we're going to hear leave you lonely cracked open worst of ways and you carry me
fix it Know that I am here and I am in it I'm gonna give you everything that I got Cause I don't ever wanna leave you lonely Yeah, I'm gonna give you everything that I got Cause I don't
on some reflection My drug of choices always seem in connection I get so caught up in the feeling, babe Wonder if you think about me this way so You left me better than you found me I'm feeling grateful to have had you around me I get so caught up in the feeling, babe Wonder if you think about me this way But still, I think maybe we could work it out Barely know what I want, but without a doubt Got my ear to the ground and my head in the clouds Yeah, we're finding that it isn't for the faint of heart Love's stronger, is it stronger now? Singing now and never hang you out to dry To break your heart, I'm sure I'll let it die I would never hang you out to dry Break your heart, I'm sure I will
We just heard four songs from Field Guide's brand new self-titled record. We heard Leave You Lonely, Cracked Open, Worst of Ways, and You Carry Me. The record is out now via Birthday Cake Records. You can get a vinyl copy via Bandcamp at fieldguide.bandcamp.com. And now Dylan picked some records and we're going to talk about what he selected. First off, you picked Tell Me How You Really Feel by Courtney Barnett. Tell me a little bit nice. about why you picked that record and if there's any song in particular that jumps out at you. Um, Yeah, this record was like, for so long, I... I think I felt like every time I was at someone's house or at like a party or something, this record was on, and I, f I got I got to know it just from hearing it around, and and then like it it may have been like eighteen months or something until I actually started putting it on myself, um, and and even then like I'm I'm kind of bad at with the song names because any time I put it on, I just listen to the whole thing, and and I think that's. I think actually all of these records, maybe it's just like, you know, I mean, all records we love are, are sort of have this, I guess, which is just a, like, man, it's such a, it's such a record. It just, it's such a vibe from like, I, I mean, what a way to start a record too. Like the, the first song, just from the first bar of music, it's like, oh, this is going to be yeah, good. Totally. <laughs> um, and I think like, when I was like looking, um, yeah, looking at these records or like trying to figure out to choose, I was kind of relating, um, just relating them to like what their imprint has been on me. And this record has had a couple like influences on me. And one is really like feel. Yeah. Um, it's like, like growing up around Winnipeg, I, um, I think like the predominant sort of like influence on a lot of people is like a lot of like um a lot of like old r&b and and stuff like um like you know donny hathaway stevie wonder there's a lot of like weekly um r&b cover nights and stuff like that and like even in the band i grew up in like you know um the the drummer who shared the vocals 
in the band with me, like is a is a crazy R and B singer. So we would cover a lot of stuff like that, um, which was cool. But discovering like this record was one for me. Um, I just it feels so good, but in such a different way. You know, it's like got this soup the super lazy. Um, but super lazy yet super confident feel. Um, and that just, I think, was so in- inspiring to me. Um, and I don't know, I've kind of taken taken some of that. Next up, Neon Skyline by Andy Schauf. Great record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's been one of the biggest. All his stuff has kind of been a huge inspiration on for Field Guide for me. Like a lot of, a lot of the the sounds too of the records. Yeah. Um, often like really dry and but like warm, which I guess is like definitely something I was trying to shoot for. Um, I think Fire Truck is probably my favorite song on this record. Um, yeah, it's. I think one an inspiration on that song for me is just like. It kind of toes this line is like so clear and like really specific details, but it's also like what it, what is this song about? Yeah. Um, but it also feels like you can relate to it. But you were coming home. And then I waited up till four in the morning. She says, I remember, and why the fuck would this be a good time to bring that up? And I am silent because I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel like I should never speak again. Next, I was really happy to see this record because it's like one of my favorite records of the last like five years. It's a new day tonight by Michael Ralt. Nice. He is from Montreal, and um, totally yeah, so fellow Canadian. I'm a big fan of his. He put out a new record too, which sounds totally different, which I also really, really like. But uh, yeah, Tom, oh nice, I haven't checked that out. Yeah, actually. it's it's good, and I know he's been touring a lot with his partner pearl charles and i know they play together i think he plays in her band but he and then he'll he'll also play his stuff on the during the shows i think they played in new york recently i unfortunately missed it but yeah Mm. tell me a little bit about why you picked this uh record um yeah i i mean i just love it again it's like it's such it's such a record. It's just like from song one to song 10, it's just like it feels and it's sound. It's one of the best sounding records, honestly, I've ever heard. Yeah. Like it's, it's got that dry thing, but diff totally different than the Shaw thing. Like it's obviously like so Beatlesy yeah, too, very. but like, which I love, but all, like, and in a modern way, but also not, not, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's so weird, but um, New Day Tonight, too, like the start of that song. It's just like, oh, it's so good. 
Um, also, I just think it's, I remember like discovering this record and like seeing photos of Michael Ralton being like, this is like, like this dude looks exactly like his music sounds, which is so funny. Oh my God, you're right. His cover, you know, the photo on the cover of the record. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So funny. Um, yeah, it's cool. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like even it's it's like um it's a little bit more of a mystery to me in a way too because i feel like it's it's not it's uh something like andy Schaff or something might maybe feels a little bit like closer to my writing or something like like i i don't really know how i would make songs like this which is i think maybe why i really love it too i'm just like yeah. i don't even i don't even totally understand it but i just love it so much Last but not least, Lost in a Dream by the War on Drugs. Yeah, great record. Um, yeah, I I was playing with this singer-songwriter guy from Western Canada like years ago, I guess like four or five years ago, I was playing in his band, which was kind of an interesting experience. And um, he he would always, he would, he was referencing with us always, like he was looking for, he's like, kind of like the war on drugs. And I was like, I don't know who the war on drugs <laughs> is. Or, and <laughs> I didn't really like even, I think I maybe briefly checked it out, but I just, I wasn't. And then, and then later, yeah, I, I found it. And I was just like, I kind of, I got obsessed with it. It took me, I, I don't know. I think almost all the music I really love, it takes me a minute to get into for some reason. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the production is so interesting. It's got like Petty in it. It's obviously got it's got Dylan in it. It's like, um, but also like I don't know, kind of nothing really sounds sounds like it. It's I don't know. The mixes are really interesting. I was just like listening to it this morning and setting up uh, a second pair of like studio monitors and like just. So something like sometimes the synths are like louder than everything out. Like the drums actually aren't that loud, even though you think they're, it's sort of strange. And like, I guess also just like, you know, uh, every, every one of uh, these records, like Warren Drugs records, is just like, they, they, you you press play on, on it and it's just like, it's so, he's so good at starting records. The first song's always so cool. Dylan, thank you so much for speaking with me, everyone. The second full length from Field Guide is out now. It's awesome. You can check it out at Field Guide's Bandcamp. That's fieldguide.bandcamp.com. So, Dylan, what's next for you now that the, the record is out? 
I've got um, a bunch of touring in the, in the new year. Cool. Um, I've got kind of a splattering of shows this year, but um, yeah, gonna do a bunch of US touring, headlining tour for the first time. Very excited. Um, which would be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that and cross Canada tour. And I think it's gonna be pretty much all with a band for the first time. So it'd be nice to go out, go out with those folks. Awesome. So everyone stay tuned. Field guide coming to a city near you. Dylan, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. We're going to play one more song. It's the last track on the album, which we talked about a little earlier. This is Tupperware Reimagined. Slices and cold 